Once every six months or so, I have a guy come into my house who's a technician, and he'll come inside sometimes, and he'll go downstairs to my utility room, and he'll open up my furnace and check everything out. And after about 30 minutes or so, he'll come back upstairs and leave me an invoice, and I happily pay that. He'll come back again before the summer starts. He'll go outside this time. He'll check out on the AC unit, make sure all the Freon's there and everything's functioning, everything's cleaned out and works good. And he comes back in, leaves me an invoice, and I happily pay that. Uh, once every few months, I take my uh, vehicles, one of uh, three of them, to uh, the quick lane. And uh, I'll go in and leave my vehicle and hand a guy my keys, and they'll take it in, put it on a lift, and check everything out and change the fluids and the oil and all that. And uh, I get the bill, and I happily pay that. Um, once every few weeks, I don't exactly keep track, but I'll take my lovely bride of 23, going on 24 years, uh, out to dinner. We'll go someplace fun or special or neat. Um, and at the end of that dinner, wherever it is, though you might guess one place where it might be, uh, I will happily pay that bill. Well, all three of those examples of having my furnace checked out, my AC checked out, get my oil changed, and go on a date night with my wife are all three different activities, but they're all the same thing. That is, they are preventative maintenance. <laughs> you do little things along the way to make sure everything's running as it should. And doing so costs you a little bit, but it saves you a lot of heartache and much major expenses if you keep after it. Today's sermon is a, a message on preventative maintenance. And I tell you that because you might hear it and go, man, what's going on? No, it's not anything going on. It's just something that's been on my heart and something that I want us to think about. And I think for a congregation, it's good to think about our elders, our shepherds. And, you know, in the churches of Christ, we, we kind of take for granted that we have shepherds and elders to lead the local congregation. We've got seven great men who do a great job. And in the churches of Christ, my common experience is that most of the time, the only time we talk about elders and shepherds is when it's time to appoint new ones. And I think we miss an opportunity to understand what a blessing it is to have good, trustworthy Christian men who help lead and perform the functions of an overseer, of a shepherd, of an elder. It's really important work. And there's a lot of churches where a guy like me is, is at the top of the, you know, he's at the pinnacle, he's at the zenith. That's not the way God designed the church to function. And there's a reason for that. And when we went through 2020, I had a, another brother in, in Christ, a fellow minister, who serves at a smaller congregation where they're so small they don't even have elders. And he said, you should get down on your knees every single day and thank God that you have elders. Because these are hard decisions that no one person should have to make. That gave me perspective. So in congruence with that, this morning I want to talk a little bit about shepherds. And as Brian mentioned this morning, they are planning to 
uh, appoint some new shepherds in the, later in the year. But today's lesson is not really about that. This is more of the why behind the what. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 <clears throat> will really be our core key text for our message this morning. And I hope it will help you to appreciate, to consider all of that our shepherds do and why they do it. And we'll keep the congregation here at Northside healthy and growing as it ever has been. Hebrews chapter 13. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the text of Scripture and you don't know where Hebrews 13 and, and you're not turning there because you're embarrassed, grab a pew Bible and turn to page 1290 and join us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 reads as follows. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. A little bit of quick context here. First of all, Hebrews is a letter that's written. We really don't know who the author is. Some guess the Apostle Paul, but there's other reasons why others say, eh, we think it's someone else. Certainly an early church father, someone in authority, but we really just don't know the author. It does not identify himself. This writer, though, though we don't know who he is, we certainly understand what he was trying to do, and that is this. He's writing a letter to Hebrew Christians, Christians who've come out of the old law, come out of living under the law and all of its demands and commands, and he is writing to them to show them that the, the way of Christ, which is something new to them, is far better. The, the, the temptation for these Hebrew Christians is that they would face uh, being ostracized from their family, Sometimes that they would lose their jobs or face financial complications as a result of their faith in Jesus. And so they really had to weigh the cost in terms of following Jesus. And the writer says all throughout these 13 chapters how much in every way Christ is better than the old way in which they served. He's a better high priest. He's a better sacrifice. He's a better temple. And on and on. And as he finishes up... This letter in chapter 13, what we call chapter 13, he kind of gets down to the practical ways of kingdom living. What it means to be people of the kingdom. And he writes this in verse 17 about obeying those who are their leaders. Now, for these Christians, it certainly could have been the elders of the local congregation, and it also could have included the apostles at that time. But there are some principles here that we're going to talk about today that apply to us that will help continue to make sure that Northside is a growing and healthy congregation in the days in the future. Northside, as you may know, has seven uh, shepherds. Uh, here they are pictured with their wives. Uh, these seven men pray over you. They think about you. They wrestle with the teachings of Scripture and how to apply them to you. 
They teach you, they guide you, they encourage you, they admonish you. And why do they do that? They do that because they love you, because they have been entrusted with your souls. Now, why, why do we want to talk about elders? Well, the biblical organization of the church is, is elder-led. Um, some people, it doesn't bother me, I know what they mean by it, but they'll, they'll come up to me and call me pastor. Well, I'm technically not a pastor. A pastor is an elder. I'm not an elder here at this congregation. If you want to look at what elders are specifically and who they are to be, you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. You look at Titus chapter 1. These chapters set forth all of the qualities, all of the characteristics for what we call elders, overseers, shepherds, and another word for that is pastors. A couple of things on that. We're not, this lesson is not going to be about those qualifications, but a couple of things you should know. Just a, a real high view is, number one is, elders are not deacons. Sometimes it's easy in a church to go, well, who's in charge? Well, the elder's in charge, so, man, I need to go ask him about that toilet overflowing in the bathroom. Where's an elder? I, you know, I want to I make a change to this. I ought to ask an elder. And we ought to do that. Somebody ought to ask an elder. Well, the problem is, is that you ask elders to do everything that deacons and ministry leaders are designed to do. Elders get distracted from doing the spiritual deep work that they are supposed to do. And so at Northside, we, we take that pretty seriously, and we try to let our, our shepherds shepherd, to let our elders eld. And, and we ask ministers and deacons to, to take some of that load off of them so that they can do the things that they are supposed to be doing, because not just anyone can do those roles. The second is, elders are not perfect. There, there is no perfect elder, there's no perfect eldership. They are, they are flawed, sinful human beings like you and I. Now, now, they're model Christians, they're exemplary Christians, they take that very seriously, but, but they would be the first to admit to you, they're not perfect. They'll make mistakes. That happens. But elders who are good, God-fearing, Jesus-following men work together. And if they'll do that prayerfully and thoughtfully, which I know our elders do, and they'll keep from making a lot of mistakes. The terms in the original language are, are sort of equivalent. There's a term referring to elders, which is uh, someone's maturity. Not, not age, necessarily, but maturity in Christ. They're standing within the congrega- congregation. If you were to ask the congregation, who do you respect? Who do you follow? Who, whose example do you try to model in your own life? It would be an elder. An overseer refers to their function, what they do. They oversee things. They concern themselves. And we have lots of guests nearly every Sunday at Northside, but our elders don't oversee our guests. When you place membership, one of the things you're doing is saying, I'm willing to submit myself to the authority of the eldership here at this congregation. 
our elders concern themselves with the north side flock. They don't concern themselves with other flocks. We don't concern ourselves with other churches. We, but they oversee, they, they protect, they look after. They, and that blends into the third term, which is that the idea of a pastor or a shepherd. Um, the, the picture shepherd gives us a real good indication of part of what they do. They feed, not physically feed, okay, but they, they spiritually feed. They, all elders should be able to teach. Uh, they lead, they guide, they encourage. Uh, sometimes they discipline when it's necessary. Uh, so these men have a big responsibility on their shoulders. So as we think about their responsibilities, which is usually what we do, I want the rest of this lesson to think about our responsibilities. Number one, we're called to yield to their spiritual leadership. The text says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Um, This is probably one of the least popular points a preacher could make. No one likes to hear about obedience and submission. But that's what Scripture calls us to do. If we truly respect elders and the position that they carry that God has them in, one of the things that we do is we obey them, we submit to them. Now, to be clear, good spiritual godly elders are not dictators. And our elders definitely are not that. But there's a balance required of those in charge and then those who are being led, those who are under their charge. Elders are different from a board of directors. Elders are different from trustees. Sometimes we take our experience in the business world and we say, oh, okay, these are the guys running the show, and that's their... Well, it's, it's different There might be some similarities, but it's different in that there's a spiritual battle. There's a soul that's on the line. These things are not popular, but they're necessary. And this is true at every phase of life. For you children in here, for you teenagers, do you love every rule that your parents make? Okay, I appreciate your honesty. Okay, parents, come up to me afterwards, I'll tell you who shook their head. And you may not like that, but the scripture says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It does not say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for they are right. Your parents are imperfect people too, and they'll sometimes make the wrong call. But there's a principle at play here, and that's this. God needs you to learn that there is authority in your life and that there's a greater blessing to you if you'll yield to that authority. I realize we live in a different age, and there's all sorts of new ideas about parenting and how that works, and that the goal is really not to parent your child, but to be your child's best friend in the world. Okay, I, I don't agree with that. I still think the old principles are true. Because I think when you parents are diligent about whatever rules you pick, whether it's bedtime or curfew or who they can hang out with or when they get a smartphone, 
They're your rules to make. But the more important thing is your children are learning to yield to spiritual authority. If, if, if teenagers, if you don't learn now to yield to your parents, can I ask you a question? When you get to be an adult, why would you yield to God? Human beings are not people who naturally yield to authority. So God has put authorities in our lives to teach us that principle that yielding to the proper authorities in the proper way and with the proper attitude is a blessing. You may not like the speed limit on Meridian. I don't necessarily either. I could get, a, I could get some places a lot faster if I didn't have those in authority over me. But... God has placed authority in our lives for our blessing so the majority of people traveling on a road can get to where they need to go safely. So from parents to police officers, we've got to learn authority. Well, the same is true within the church. The same is true within the church. Your obedience and submission to our elders is important for this reason. Your obedience and submission to your elders shows your full trust in our elders. You can say, I love the elders, and that's great. You can say, Norset has great elders, and that's true. The real rubber meets the road test is, when are you willing to submit your will to what the elders will? It's easy to obey leaders when... When what they will agrees with what my will is, that's easy. I have no problem if they set meridian speed limit at 100 miles an hour. I'd be, yeah, great, I would obey the speed. Probably not, but it's easy to obey your parents when they make the call that you would make. And you probably do so cheerfully and you probably give them a hug and you tell them how much you love them. But that's easy when they do what you want to do. But when they say, I don't, I don't think you should be hanging out with that person. That's harder. When they say, I don't think you're ready for a cell phone yet. That's harder. But yielding is where it counts. It's not submission if you only obey our elders when they make the calls that you agree with. That's why we have elders. <laughs> Because they'll make calls we agree with, and they'll make calls that we won't. And so, may we obey them, may we yield to their spiritual leadership. Number two, may you understand their eternal stewardship. The reason that we are called to obey and submit to them is not because they're on a power trip. The reason we're called to obey and submit to them is because souls are on the line. The scripture says, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I was talking with a shepherd. He's one of our newer shepherds. I won't tell you which one. It doesn't matter. He said, I learned something interesting when I became an elder. When I became an elder, I thought about things differently before I was an elder than I did after I was an elder. Before I was an elder, I, I came in with what I thought was the right thing to do. And I'd gather around my friends, and we'd talk about it, and we'd all agree 
on what we thought they should do. When I became an elder, I learned things not everyone can know. I realized there was more people in the picture than just me. That these men had to give account for all 900 of us. And that someday, in some, some way, there's gonna, they're going to have to give an account for all of them. And see, you and I, the other people outside the seven, we don't have to think about that at this point. We don't have to deal with that level of stewardship. The scripture says, Jesus said, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Elders deal with things on a stewardship level, not stewardship of money, but stewardship of souls. The decisions that they make, they have to, they have to weigh souls in the balance. And that makes decisions harder and slower. And sometimes decisions are made that, well, I don't really understand that. That's okay. You don't have to. You have to trust the men who do. That's where it comes down to, is that trust. And we trust, we look at the qualities of men, which we'll look at later in the year. That's really what we're asking. Do we trust these men? You need the right men to be shepherds because I guarantee you, shepherding's a lot harder than you think it is. So understand their eternal stewardship. I was trying to get an, uh, give you an idea of what shepherding is like, and I was trying to weigh out this complicated explanation. I found a really good clip. Can I ask you guys to bring down the lights just a little bit? This is a dark, darker clip, but uh, I think you'll get the point. This is shepherding in about 30 seconds, okay? If you didn't catch that, let's just, you're going to catch some replays today or catch this. That's some of you, okay? You think that's funny. That's some of you. It is never easy leading sheep. That's why you pick good, God-fearing, Jesus-following, trustworthy men to lead and to guide and to shepherd and to pull some of you out, knowing that it may be right back here again very quickly. Shepherding is hard work, and so more than anything, may we of the flock trust them fully and yield to their leadership. And that's the third point. May we be a blessing, not a burden. The scripture says, let them do this with joy, not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I was thinking about that this morning as all the the elders were talking about all the great works and ministries that we have happening at Northside. And and I have a lot of people say, you have some great shepherds at Northside. And a lot of you say, we have some great shepherds. And that's true. Here's the thing. If we will be the right kind of sheep, 
it makes the job of shepherding that much easier. And if their job of shepherding is easier, then our congregation, our fellowship becomes more joy and less groaning, more blessing, less burden. So be a blessing to them. Remember our shepherds serve as volunteers. Remember our shepherds deal with sensitive situations and they are not always allowed by virtue of their character to tell you the whole story. Be a blessing, not a burden, because our shepherds have to make hard decisions. Whether it was 40 years ago making a decision about whether a congregation of not quite 300 people should launch into a television ministry that was... A complete step of faith, whether it was 20 years ago when a bunch of women said, hey, we've got something in mind that's huge. You think we could do this? Our shepherds, if they're, if they're, follow, if they're shepherding a good flock who's following well, those decisions become easier. So some questions for you as a north side sheep, as a member of the flock. Number one, are you faithfully following? Do you show up consistently? Are you a part of the family? Uh, are you a servant-hearted under-rower? Or you just get in the boat and say, man, it's kind of nice letting other people row. Are you connecting to the body? Are you using your gifts? Are you serving in some way using those gifts? Are you growing and maturing in Christ? Have you gone from being a student to being a teacher? Have you gone from being a teacher to serving and leading a ministry? Are you growing? Are you maturing in Christ? Do you read your Bible? There's a reason that elders provide Bible reading plans. Not because they're pretty to look at. Our elders have said, we want you in the Bible every day. Do you do that? Do you submit to your elders as a matter of course? Do you step up when stepping up is needed? Brian Middleton was answering questions this morning, and one of the questions came up about how do you tend to our guests? What sort of receive, uh, uh, attention do our guests get? Well, he said, well, we send them a letter and get a visit from the ambassadors. And then he said, are there any ministers answered the question, are there any ministries that need a leader? And he said, yeah, the ambassadors need a leader. Now, some of you heard that and they go, oh, the ambassadors need a leader. Somebody ought to do something about that. But a mature, godly, spiritual person should say, you know what? I bet we could team up with our friends over here. I bet we could lead that ministry. And that makes... The elders work a blessing and not a burden. Are you a contributor or are you, are you a complainer? Are you a giver or are you, you only there when it's time to be on the receiving end? And see, the questions are, are for us in terms of what kind of flock are we going to be. So, to bless your shepherds, let me give you something to think about. Um, I call it the St. Andrew's Principle. It's not a golfing principle, Jim. But it is about you, actually. When Jim became an elder, he would start, he started, uh, the staff meets once a month, just kind of connect and 
talk, and we usually have one of our shepherds as part of that, and Jim came to a few of those. And the first several meetings he came, at the end of that meeting, he would kind of share what the elders were working on, thinking about, and he would ask this question, and it was really good. And it was this, how can I help you? I've thought about that a lot. I've thought that's why, that's why Jim's a shepherd, because that's the kind of congregation Northside is. Can I turn that on you for just a second? I'd like all five, six hundred-ish of you this morning, if you meet a shepherd this morning, to ask that question. I bet our our shepherds have some real practical answers. How can I help you? And shepherds, I hope you give them two or three things to work on, to think out, to step up in, to serve in. They gave you some this morning if you were here for that. I heard them say, they need you to serve. I heard them say, they need you to give. They might have other answers for you. But I hope you'll take the St. Andrew's principle and put it into practice. Let's all, the rest of us, make their work a joy and not a burden. Make it a joy and a blessing to them, because if we'll bless them, the congregation at Northside will be who God wants us to be. And we've talked all about shepherds this morning, and I want to ask you this final question, and it's, do you know the good shepherd? Described in Psalm 23, Jesus talked and said, I am the good shepherd. If you don't know the good shepherd, if you, you haven't submitted to his authority by expressing faith in him, by putting him on in baptism, uh, this morning is a great opportunity to be added to the flock of God, to be added to the church. And if you've done that, but, but you really haven't been pulling your weight as a sheep, I want to encourage you this morning to begin and by asking our shepherds, how can you help them? If you have a spiritual need this morning, speaking of our shepherds, they're going to be waiting for you at the back. We're going to sing a song. Charles is going to lead us. If you'd like to put on Christ or if you'd like to step up your serve or ask the elders to pray with you, they'll be glad to do that. They'll be at each of the exits. You can find a shepherd there. Let's stand and sing.